A few weeks ago, I was meditating, and a message dropped in. And since then, there are some big miracles that have been unfolding in my experience. And in this episode, I will share with you what that message was and all of the miracles that have followed since. So what I wrote down in my journal was, I know exactly how to be a joyful, radiant, grateful vessel for spirit and a magnet for miracles in every situation. And so miracles unfolded and the magnet worked. I have my journal here where I have just drafted some of the things I wanted to make sure I mention, but otherwise this is a journey through miracles, through expansion, through divinity, and through being both a human and a spirit that has access to the divine pantry of everything. It was December, and I had no plan for the holidays. Eric, my husband, had planned to go on a retreat to Isabella Friedman, which is a Jewish Buddhist retreat in the forest of New York, and there was nothing in me that was saying yes to that. I just had a feeling that if I stayed patient, if I trusted the unknown, if I invited spirit to guide me, then the guidance would drop in as it always does. My friend Rebecca, also known as Water Love Weaver, who has been a guest on this podcast twice, Rebecca Naylor, she was visiting me a few weeks ago with her doggy, and as my puppy shack was terrorizing her amazing, patient, Buddha-like dog, Lucia, we had a beautiful conversation in which I share with Rebecca that I just have a feeling that there's an adventure, a journey that I am to have, but I just don't know what it is and I don't know where to begin. It feels like there's so many possibilities. What she invited me to do is to ask the land to speak to me. She followed by sharing her journey to Yellowstone recently, how she spoke to the lands there, what messages she received. And then following her visit, I went to yin yoga. Yoga is typically where I get a lot of messages and a lot of guidance, and particularly the yoga in yoga studio, not at home. And after the class, I go to the bathroom, I look in the mirror, and I realize that the shirt that I'm wearing says Yellowstone. I'd gotten it a few months ago. It's become my favorite shirt, but I didn't even realize what it says. And so in that moment, I was reminded of the divine weaving. And I knew that the patience of not knowing would pay off when it was time to know what the next step is. And the first iteration of the vision for holidays that I got was to invite my nephew, who I haven't seen for a couple of years. He's 15 years old, and him and I have a very strong soul contract. I've always known that we're meant to be in each other's lives. The vision was to invite him to Austin, to be with me in our house, to hang out with our doggy, and to just have this family time together while he is on a break from school. And then a few days later, a bigger vision started dropping in. And before I share with you what it was, I want to give you a bigger context of what else was going on in my life and some of the messages and journeys and expansions I was moving through. I am currently on an intentional fertility slash pregnancy journey. I received a very clear message almost two years ago that it was time for Eric and I to plant seeds and to 
start creating space to bring life within our family. And one of the more recent messages that's been coming through with that journey has been, what are some of the ancestral patterns, some of the wiring, some of the old ways of thinking that I am meant to release before I create and bring life onto earth? It is a topic I've been discussing with my guide within my prescription ketamine journey. It is something I've been meditating with. It's been something I've been exploring with my mentor, Michelle. And somehow, when I posed that question, I thought that it would be this very difficult and dark and complicated journey of going and re-experiencing all of the dark and unnecessary ancestral stories to come out on the other side with this clarity, with this purity of my vessel. And I find it to be so interesting how when we think of healing, of expansion, often we assume that it's going to be this difficult and complicated journey, but in reality, it doesn't always have to be that way. And that's what it ended up being in my experience. So my first ketamine meditation session was intended to serve as this kind of clearing out, repatterning, purification. And instead of being a spiritual, emotional, psychological clearing out, it was a very physical one. It felt like um, like ayahuasca journey sometimes feel like a complete purification of my vessel, which is not a typical response to that medicine. So it was very surprising to me, not what I expected. And then shortly after that journey, what dropped in was a vision of me going to Turkey. I heard this voice, this soft, gentle invitation to plan a trip to Turkey to meet my family there who was already meeting up to celebrate New Year's Eve, which in my family and where I come from traditionally is the biggest holiday of the whole year. It's the time where we come together as a family, where we celebrate, where we create, where we be together and have this quality time. And no matter where I've been in the world in the past 15 years since I've been living in the U.S., I have come back home most times to be with my family on New Year's Eve. And one of the things I love about this whole thing so much is that Eric was going on his own journey. He was going on a meditation retreat followed by fish concerts at the Madison Square Garden. And I knew I was meant to go on my own journey. And I've always wanted to be in a partnership where we have space to be supported, to support each other and be supported in our own journeys. And I'm just so grateful that that is the reality of my relationship, knowing that we can trust each other to go on these journeys, we can support each other, and then we come back enriched with this inner remembering, and we get to share all the growth that we experience separately. I love that so much. So when the vision dropped in to go to Turkey, one of my biggest concerns was, holy, I just invited my nephew Mark to come to hang out to Austin with me. And I haven't heard back yet, but I feel so flaky. I feel like I'm betraying him by saying, hey, come here, but then actually not even being here and asking him to rain check. I didn't even consider that he might want to and be able to come to Turkey with me. And so that's something that came up in my conversation with my mentor. And she said, 
don't text him. Don't message him about Turkey. And at first I thought inviting him to Turkey would be more like a formality because there's just no way he has all the paperwork. He has the time off school. His dad will say yes. It felt like such a complicated thing. And what she invited me to do was to call him up, not text him, but call him up because our voice is a vessel for our frequency. When we share our voice, when we hear somebody else's voice, we are overlapping our frequencies and we get to exchange a much deeper level of connection and information that's on the surface and also below the surface and behind the words. And so I called him up and I just spoke my truth. I spoke my language. I didn't try to make it sound more logical or more reasonable or more normal. I literally called him up and said, hey, I have this vision. My intuition is telling me this. I'm called to invite you. I know that there's a lot of uncertainties, but I would love you to come and it's on me. And he said that he didn't have a passport. Mind you, this was about two weeks before the trip. And so it felt quite impossible. I didn't know anything about urgent passports, about Turkish visas, uh, about what his dad would say. So I kind of said, I believe in miracles. If it's meant to be, I know it will be. And I left it there. A few days later, I hear back from him. He made a list of all the things that need to be put together for him to be able to come. He figured out that there is a way to get an urgent passport. And so we started working on it. I wasn't still counting on it happening because there's so much paperwork that was necessary, including original documents from his mom, who's currently in Turkey, my sister. And so it was still very much in the clouds. But I kept being invited. What if I hold the vision for the impossible? What if I can be a vessel for miracles for the whole family? I know that my sister's dream has been to be with her son for New Year's for a long time, and it hasn't been possible for multiple reasons from the pandemic, blocking a lot of the travel plans that my family had together for the past few years. But her son lives with his dad in California. She is currently in Turkey. And this was a vision of us all coming together and I felt his yes when I invited him and Winsky started working on bringing it all together. I felt his soul yes. So I kept holding the vision. I know he kept holding the vision. And a few days before I was about to get on my flight to Turkey, it was still completely unclear whether his passport would come through. He had already gotten turned down several times by people who work at the passport desk asking for a myriad of documents that they didn't have. So I was very close to kind of giving up. And I know that everybody in the family kind of didn't really have their hopes up. So I packed up for my insanely long flight. One thing about living in Austin is that there's not much direct flights to a lot of the destinations that I'm used to traveling to. And so I ended up flying from Austin to Amsterdam to Istanbul, and then catching another flight to Fethiye, which is on the south coast of Turkey, after spending a few days in Istanbul. My luggage got lost, then they found it, and then they refused to bring it to me, and I figured out that the luggage got broken. It was, it was a whole thing. 
but I made it. And when I made it there, the invitation was consistently keep holding space for miracles, keep holding space for miracles. And right before the trip, something else miraculous happened. I got reached out to by a meditation app that you probably have heard me talking about on the podcast and on social media as well. Open reached out and invited me to be part of their campaign, activating people to participate in the January meditation and breathwork challenge. I tried the app. I absolutely loved it. Everything about the design, the way that the guides hold space, the energy of the guides, everything about it was incredible. And I was so excited to participate in it. And the amount was exactly what I needed to cover the expenses associated with this trip. I just love how that works. When we say yes to something we know we're meant to do before we know how we're going to make it happen, when we're very clear on the why and the energetic imprint of the situation, we want to magnetize, call in, create, manifest. And we let the how to be figured out on its own time. It always figures itself out. So showing up with the fullness of our yes, with the fullness of our heart and our intention is really the primary thing to making anything happen. Everything else is just a matter of you listening and holding space for it to come through. So while I was in Istanbul, I met up with my parents and we rented an Airbnb. We got a tour of the east side of Istanbul, the Asian side. Istanbul is both in Europe and in Asia, and it is divided by the Bosphorus Strait, and it's really such a special place. I hadn't been there since second or third year of college when I went there on a student exchange, and it was so special to come back with my parents. The whole time I was there, my intention was to have a very rich and intense trip because it was only going to be seven days. I really wanted to maximize my days and just have this like richness of experiences and interactions and spirit heard me. I ended up waking up around 5 a.m. every single day and then going through late night and just experiencing so much. Every morning I would go on long walks with my dad and talk about life and he would teach me this new fast walking workout method that he's doing. And then I would have quality time with my mom. We would stop at a bakery and pick up some baked stuff, very specific Turkish baked goods for breakfast. And, and then we would go shopping and exploring. And the weather was so beautiful. And I was in love with all the cats and dogs that are in Istanbul. It's a very interesting relationship between the people and the animals there. The homeless dogs and cats are not really considered homeless. They're considered municipal. The city vaccinates them. The people take care of them. And in return, they take care of the rats. Well, the cats do. I don't know about the dogs. The dogs just bring love and beauty and softness and gentleness into, into the city. Before I travel, if you know me, I always map out the city and create a list of favorites and saved places to go to in my Google Maps to try different foods, coffees, gifts, and things like that, primarily food and coffee. And so on the first day, we go to a coffee shop. I think it wasn't even on my list, but it was the only one in the area that was open at 5.30 a.m. And one of the first lessons that I learned was I came in with this intention to 
stick to my coffee of choice, which is typically an oat milk latte or flat white, I quickly realized, one, that there is no oat milk to be easily found in Istanbul. And two, when I did find a very designer, beautiful coffee shop that did have oat milk, it tasted so bad. It tasted like a gooey, failed, homemade oat milk expired. I don't know. It tasted froggy. It was really bad. I couldn't even drink it. And so that was kind of one of the first invitations to let go of the ways that I think I know what's best for me and what I think I know I like and open up to something new. And that's one of my very favorite things about traveling and putting myself outside of familiar situations is where can I try something new? Where can I let go of the familiar ways? And I feel like when we do that with small things like coffee, it opens up the spaciousness to try that with bigger things as well. And so that was the first switch. I ended up making macchiato my order of choice, which is espresso with a tiny, tiny dollop of milk. And at that coffee shop that my dad and I went to, it was still dark outside. The city kind of was, was just waking up. We would get some coffee and the owner would just give me such a genuine smile and warmth. We ended up having a few conversations with him. He studied coffee in London and the tiny coffee shop doesn't really even have like seats only outside. There's a couple of tiny tables and tiny chairs, but he roasts all the beans himself right there. The machine is displayed. He wakes up extra early to make these sandwiches and he has some baked goods and these amazing biscottis. And I could tell he loves what he does. At some point, my dad asked him how the business is going. And he just smiled with such warmth and said, you know, it's been going for 10 years. I feel very lucky, and very supported by the community. And then the next day, we were sitting there enjoying our coffee because we kept coming back every morning. And this homeless person came up to the shop. And him and the coffee shop owner kind of exchanged, exchanged glances, exchanged energy. And the coffee shop owner kind of nodded him in, invited him in, gave him a sandwich and a cup of coffee. And the homeless guy was on his way out. And in that moment, I was so present to the miracle of community and how people take care of each other. And this genuine love and care and the ability to do something that you love so much, being your craft, feel supported by the community and then have this overflow in which you feel guided to give back and to support those who have less. And then on the last day, when we came there for one last time, I tried to give our coffee shop guy, trying to remember his name, I'm blanking his name, but I tried to give him a tip, but he refused to take the tip and he refused to even take the full payment. And in that moment, I was just so present to how the exchange of me fully receiving what he loves doing so much and appreciating every bit of it, every sip of it, him being seen in his craft, and me being able to use my resources to come every day and to support his business. It's one of my favorite things about being a human. It's noticing people who are expressing their gift, who are trusting their path, and then being able to, whether through words or through money or through energy, 
to send this confirmation, this affirmation, this love, this support. I had multiple opportunities during the trip to do that. One of them was when we went to this big shopping mall. My parents were shopping for my dad's clothes. And I was kind of just bored because the mall had all the same shops that you find in the U.S. malls. And then I saw this little bazaar within the mall where people who make their own arts and crafts were selling their goods. And I noticed ceramics. I love ceramics. I'm always down to buy more ceramics. And I noticed this woman who was selling ceramics. She came over. We ended up having a conversation. I ended up buying some beautiful coffee cups and espresso cups, macchiato cups, some plates. And then I noticed that on the same table kind of shared with her was these beautiful ceramic eyes with beads made out of crystals and also mixed material beads. And in all of it, but particularly these necklaces, I just felt so much love, so much care, so much intentionality. And I started asking questions about where it comes from and who makes it. And so she calls over her friend, turns out that her and her friend of 35 years, they got together to quit their jobs. One of them went to university to study ceramics, to open up her own studio. The other one quit her job in fashion so that they can create this collaboration of beauty and intentionality that people can wear with them with the extra layer that in Turkey, when you wear an eye, it's supposed to repel evil. So it's a good luck charm. And I start asking them all these questions. So are you on Etsy? Where else can I find you? What are your plans? And turned out that it was their very first collection. It was the first time they collaborated and they brought it into the world to be seen this way. And so I felt divinely placed in that mall, in that moment, particularly when that time-limited bazaar was going on, to be able to not only buy a bunch of these necklaces as gifts and for myself, but to look these women in the eyes and to say, wow, I see you. I see your art. I see your craft. I see you taking the leap into the unknown to follow your artistry, to follow your creativity. And I affirm you. You got this. You're amazing. Ah, those are the kind of exchanges that make me feel so alive. And then we went to the bazaar. Grand Bazaar is this enormous place where you can buy everything from cotton to ceramics to leather and fake Gucci bags, whatever you wish. And the last time I'd been there was when I was 18 and when I went to buy a name necklace inspired by Carrie Bradshaw. I never even watched Sex in the City, but somehow I knew that she had like a name necklace. What I got instead was gold necklace with the initials of my family members, which I wanted to be a tattoo. But when I was 18 years old, my dad said, no way while you're living under my roof, you're getting any tattoos on your body. At this point, I have five. My mom is losing her mind about that. She really doesn't like it, but it's happening. I love them all. It was my first time coming back as a grown woman, as a married woman with an American passport with so many of my dreams that have come true and kind of celebrating myself through buying a few things for myself and for our home, for gifts. And I got really overwhelmed because there was just so much going on. There was so many choices. There was a couple of experiences with salespeople being quite pushy and keeping offering me things that I want nothing to do with. And I kept trying to explain to them that I don't buy something just because I like it or because it's a good idea. I buy something because it's a hundred percent yes. There's like a full body, full soul, full heart excitement and joy in going home with that object. 
Some of them, I think, got it. Some of them didn't get it. Doesn't really matter. But I ended up allowing my intuition to guide me. One of my favorite ways to shop, whether I am at Grand Bazaar in Istanbul or I'm walking through aisles of Goodwill, when there's a lot of choices, I allow myself, instead of going aisle by aisle, kind of logically mapping it out, I fully allow my intuition to guide me. I allow my hands to go where they need to go to kind of reach through the different shelves and hangers. And I decided to do the same thing in Istanbul on the Grand Bazaar. And I ended up being led to this beautiful leather shop where I got a few beautiful leather belts. I'm wearing one of them right now. If you're watching the video, I'm just showing the belt. Having an amazing conversation with a shop owner, exchanging some really inappropriate jokes with some of those people. Ended up buying gold necklace. If you're watching the video, there's a necklace that kind of looks like the podcast cover. It's got the infinity sign in it. I was sharing this on the podcast interview I just did for We Are Already Free, which is coming out in February. But one of my favorite things about Turkish people is their directness. Their kind of like abrupt, nonchalant sense of humor. It was so refreshing because when there is no layer of niceties, all there is is just pure presence. And I just found it to be so refreshing. They kind of reminded me of Israelis. Anyway, so... All of these Istanbul experiences, all of the delicious Turkish coffee and chai and having a guided tour of the eastern side and finding nooks and crannies of the city I didn't know existed and really falling in love with them and visiting this 600-year-old garden that is behind a street of restaurants and learning that this is where a lot of the restaurants source their herbs and greens during the proper season. Being on a land that has been cultivated and used to feed human bodies for that long of a time, I just felt a presence of something so special and so sacred. The land, the land spoke to me in that moment louder than in any other place during my whole Turkey trip. And I just didn't want to leave it. My mom and I just sat there and my mom is a big garden person. Everything I know about gardening, I learned from her. We took some pictures. If you haven't seen my reports from Istanbul yet, check it out on Instagram, Ksenia.brief. I posted the day on the European side and the day on the Asian side, both. You can find them there. It kind of gives you a glimpse of what I'm talking about, including the adorable cats and dogs that are just everywhere. And this what I'm the stories I'm sharing now I'm sure create a whole other context for what I shared visually through those reels. So if you've already seen those reels, but you're now listening to the podcast, I encourage you to revisit those reels because there's other frequencies in there that you'll pick up now that you have the full story and the full context. So I was having all these amazing experiences with my parents, enjoying traveling with them, meeting people, having conversations. And I still didn't know if Mark would be able to come. It was time for us to hop on a flight to Fethiye, where my sister is currently based with her family. And we got there, we got to our house and started hanging out with my sister, started having our own adventures. And I still had no idea. And we all had no idea until the very last day when we did. There was all of these extra layers of complications. UPS lost one of the packages with the notarized documents that he was supposed to have. 
another UPS package got delayed because there was crazy weather that week. Just so many little things that could have been just really smooth were not smooth. And I feel like it all was part of this journey of, you don't know. We don't know anything. Can you be in the unknown? How much unknown can you hold and still trust that there is a miracle coming? I found out late at night about 11 p.m. when everybody was sleeping that he got his passport, immediately got him a ticket. He was on his way to the airport the same day. Then he gets on the flight. It gets delayed two hours, which means that he's going to miss his connecting flight to Fethiye. And so that was another sleepless night for me. I was constantly tracking the flight thinking, well, is there a chance that this 13 and a half hour flight will make up the time that they lost with a two-hour delay is a whole thing. He ended up spending night at the Istanbul airport. And when he arrived in Fethiye, me and my sister woke up and we had this absolutely miraculous journey of going to meet him. I actually had woken up the whole family at about 5.30, 6 a.m. I just called everybody up, walked into my mom's room, called my sister up. I was like, he is coming. You're not going to believe this. He got his passport. He's on his way. And it was the most incredible piece of news to deliver to everybody. I don't think anybody truly believed that it was possible. And so when he got on that flight, even with a missed flight, I just knew, okay, we're so much closer. It's going to happen. But still, I was on the edge until the very end, even when we were meeting him at the airport, he texted us saying, okay, I'm coming out of the plane. And then he's not coming out and he's not coming out. and He's not coming out. Everybody's already come out and he's not coming out. And so he ends up scaring us from the back. He got lost at the airport in the tiny town. I don't know how that's possible, but it was all exactly how it was meant to be. It was all this big practice of the unknown big practice of miracle already being here. And the moment I knew that he's arriving, my body was finally able to fall asleep for the first time, like truly fall asleep deeply in days. And I started my period. My body just felt this big sigh out, this big release. Okay. I did what I was meant to do. I listened. I followed the call. I made it happen. I'm in a position financially to do it with so much ease and grace and to be able to make that gift to not just my sister, but really to myself and to Mark and to everybody in my family. At some point during one of our morning walks after Macchiato, my dad asked me, so why are you doing this for your sister? Why are you going out of your way and working in all these logistics and you know paying to bring Mark over? And I just said that it's not for her. I'm not doing this for her. Something bigger than me is moving through me and guiding me. And all I'm doing is listening. And that's all we can do, isn't it? While we were in Istanbul, we also went shopping quite a bit because there's some pretty good shopping. This is a really funny story. My dad has been wearing the Ray-Bans that my ex-boyfriend of 10 years ago forgot at my place before ghosting me. And those are the sunglasses that my dad has been wearing for the past however many years. Those have been his go-to. And on the way to Turkey, I actually got myself a new pair of sunglasses at the airport. They are very beautiful, very stylish, feel very special. And 
I was talking to my mom and she was asking me, you know, how much did it cost? And I told her and she was like, wow, it's so amazing how you're able to just go and buy yourself something this special and, you know, not cheap. And I said, yeah, you know, in some areas I don't have the desire and don't feel like I want to or need to. Like, for example, designer bags, I've never really wanted to spend money that way. But with sunglasses, I've always allowed myself to do that. I remember one of the first times I made 100 euros, I went and got myself sunglasses from this sunglass brand called Vogue. I don't know if it exists anymore, but I was obsessed with Giselle Bunten and she was the face of them and I was dying to be like her. And so I ended up getting myself those sunglasses and wearing them and they brought me so much joy. And so on that trip, my mom kept trying to convince my dad to get a new pair of sunglasses. She's like, why are you wearing these old ex-boyfriend sunglasses? You know, you're a grown man, you're 62 years old. It's time to get yourself new glasses. And not 62, actually 61. And he kept refusing and saying he doesn't need it. And then something in him just arrived. And in that moment, he somehow magically, wasn't me, I promise, he lost those Ray-Bans. We all took it as a sign and we went over to a sunglass store and I got him as a gift, a pair of the Ray-Ban chromatic from the new collection that are amazing. Eric has them as well. And I witnessed him receive. He's somebody who gives so much to everybody around him. He takes care of so many people that I know of and I'm sure even more that I don't know of. He's always there to help everybody. And for somebody like that, it's not always easy to receive. And I know that when I go visit them, they don't let me pay for anything. They always take me and Eric out to restaurants. They buy everything. And so for me to witness my dad and this expansion into receiving and then coming up to me after and just expressing and acknowledging gratitude and me feeling that he like fully, yes, allowed it in. It was really a magical moment. During this whole trip, I felt like the veil is so thin. What I was holding space for in the invisible realm and the human experiences I was having, the very tangible, having doner kebab and having the chai and the baked goods, the veil was so thin in between the two and I was working simultaneously in both so deeply. And I still feel like that veil is so thin. And I really think one of the reasons for that is the space for this miracle of Mark arriving and then a whole family being able to get some quality time with him. My sister going on hikes with him, biking around the whole island for five hours and cooking food and her daughters interacting with him and him teaching them Japanese. There's so many family memories that have been made. And I know that the language of love in my family has been adventures together and quality time together. And especially the jokes that come out of spending quality time together and to be able to gift this to Mark and for him to have this memory and to know that this is the beginning of many adventures. This is not a one-off thing. Feels like it has changed the trajectory of my life, of his life, and really everybody in my family. When it was time for me to pack my bags and go home, Mark woke up extra early to help me pack my bags voluntarily. And him and my dad took me to the airport and it was so interesting. I felt very accomplished. I felt very complete. I knew that I could have extended my trip and stayed longer because I ended up only getting two days with Mark. 
but I felt completed. The richness that I was craving and the miracle I was holding space for, it all came together beautifully and I felt complete. And on the way back, it was so interesting because one of the lessons moving through my life right now is staying in my center, staying unbothered, staying in my peace, not sourcing it in other people, whether that's strangers next to me or a really good friend, not allowing myself to rely on the person near me to be a source of peace, source of presence, and truly coming back within and finding that within so that I am not easily swayed into whatever anybody around me is feeling. And so the way back was a journey full of invitations to experience just that. First, there was a line to get some kebab before my flight. I had very little time left and I really wanted to get this kebab. Actually, before even that, I completely forgot. I was in a line to get coffee and a chia pudding for breakfast. And this guy just completely cut me off started ordering and spoke very broken English. The barista didn't speak good English either. So they kept trying to explain something to each other and nobody was understanding anything. And it was going back and forth for a while. I got quite pissed at the guy who cut me off and just kind of didn't like the situation. And something in me said, you don't have to be here and witness all of this and then sit next to this person, you can just leave. And so I left and I found a way better coffee shop that felt just right. It felt super connected to people who were making my coffee. And that's where I ended up sitting down with all my luggage and meditating and doing day one of the 31 days of meditation and breathwork with open that I was telling you about in the beginning, just surrounded by bags and all the noises. I was able to zone in after my macchiato and green juice and just drop in. And it was so beautiful. And again, a reminder that I don't need anything outside of me to be under control or a certain way for me to access that deep place of knowing and peace within. And that's exactly what the topic of the meditation was. It's that it was with Manoj Diaz, who was my guest on episode 231. And he said in that meditation, peace is always available to us if we allow ourselves to connect with it. And it's up to us how much time we spend in the present. The present where the peace is. And the question to you is how much time do you allow yourself to spend there? In that moment, I felt a deeply profound connection to peace. I felt happy that I followed my intuition and found a new place to sit. And then I went to the kebab place, which I had been to a little over a year ago when Eric and I were on our way to... South Africa to get married. We were supposed to fly through Amsterdam, but that flight didn't end up working out last minute. It's a whole other story. And we were rerouted through Istanbul. And it's that same kebab place where we ate that one night on the way to South Africa, where I was trying to get my lunch for the plane. And the guy in front of me, his card wasn't going through. The guy who was running it wasn't speaking English very well. He kept saying it's not going through. The guy's saying, why are you charging me twice? The cashier keeps asking for the card back. He's saying, why are you charging me three times? And so everybody was kind of losing their shit. There was a lot of things lost in translation. And I'm just standing there wanting to get my food. It was interesting because, you know, the person in distress, really worried about money and being charged twice or three times is right in front of me. And I, I realized I caught myself present to the idea that typically 
what I do is I go there in that place of distress with the person who's near me, almost like it's my duty to experience it with them. But I was reminded that it's not, it's not my job. I'm in an amazing place. I'm feeling so fulfilled and enriched and happy and satisfied. And I'm marinating in so much beauty after this trip. And I don't need to leave that place to hold space for somebody else that I know I've got nothing to do with. It's not my job to heal anybody. And so that was the first invitation. Then the next one was when I was in the line to go through security to get on the flight to the U.S., there was like four rows of security. It was absolutely nuts. They went through all the luggage. The guy behind me had just bought a cup of coffee and he was told that you cannot bring liquids through this final round of security that was right at the gate. And the guy got pissed. He said, I just bought it. Since when can you not bring liquids on the plane? And in the meantime, I'm there with my bag and I do have liquids too and a tea and everything, all the things just in my Yeti neatly packed with magnetic lids in my bags. And what I was present to is like there was part of me that also wanted to go, was like automatically pulled to go into the drama that person was experiencing. But I'm good. I've got my tea. I've got my Yetis. I'm prepared. I'm so fulfilled and overjoyed about this trip that I'm marinating on. And I don't have to deal with this person's drama. It's not mine. And then I get on the plane. And the woman sitting next to me with a tiny infant and a daughter, turns out that she was sitting in a seat she didn't book. But she refused to stand up because it was the only place she could get a bassinet. And there was a whole scene caused right before takeoff right next to me where she refused to leave the space. The flight attendants were losing their shit. And it was a whole thing, like all these people got moved out of their seats because this woman wasn't sitting in her seat and all these other people had paid extra to be in that seat. And, you know, she took it anyway, it was so much drama. And again, do I go into the drama or do I allow myself to stay in my center? This is not mine to deal with. This is not mine to resolve. This is not mine to process through my nervous system. Can I stay in my center? And it's interesting how I was given at least four situations like that during one trip to really, really, really land here in Austin on January 1st with this new felt sensation of staying in my center no matter what. When there's unknowns, when there's unpredictable things, when there's people freaking out around me, can I stay centered in myself? Can I source my presence within? And can I not give away my presence to situations it's not meant to be a part of? And so I came home and I picked up baby Shaq and she didn't feel like a baby anymore after just a week of being gone. I couldn't believe how much bigger she got. Her whole head, her body were so big and she jumped up on me and put her little paws on, not so little paws, on my shoulders and kissed me and then peacefully slept in the back as I picked up Eric coming back from his retreat. And since then, it's just been integrating this miracle. Typically, at the end of the year, I take time to recap the year and look at things I want to celebrate and let go of and acknowledge. But this year, there was just no desire to do so. It feels like life is just so moment by moment. And I still might sit down with Eric and, you know, create some sacred space to celebrate and create intentions for the new year. But I don't feel like a 
strict cutoff date for 2022 ending and 2023 beginning, I just feel this connection to infinite source of beauty and peace that is always accessible to me when I am present for myself from within without sourcing any beauty and any peace and any confirmations from the outside. Because I know exactly how to be a joyful, radiant, grateful vessel for spirit and a magnet for miracles in every situation. And so do you. Thank you for joining me on this little recap of my trip to Turkey and some of the layers of beauty that unfolded. I still have a lot of footage that I have yet to release, so stay tuned on Instagram and on TikTok, Ksenia.brief. And if you also haven't been called to do any kind of recaps and journaling things for the past year, that's fine. Give yourself grace to be in between. But if you are called to have a sacred space to journal and reflect and celebrate and create visions and intentions for the new year, I do have amazing prompts that I've curated over the years. And for the past couple of years, I have shared podcasts where I use those prompts to share my own learnings and lessons and intentions. So I will share a link in the show notes. If you want those, they're yours. It's a gift from me to you. Until next time, my friends, thank you for tuning in.